Alrighty then. Praise the Lord. Welcome to the broadcast this morning. Grab your Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll try to make it uh, through that chapter today. Good to have you guys here with us in the studio. and Good to have you all watching online, whenever it is you might be watching. Uh, <clears throat> just a couple of announcements to make <clears throat> this morning before we get in to the Word. One of them is the 20th of this month, I'll be in Wichita Falls on a Sunday morning with Colton and Casey Hill at the Crossway Church there. And October the 4th, which is a couple of weeks later, I'll be with Pastor Wayne Voss in Greenwood, Mississippi on a Sunday morning. And then later on that month in October, October the 22nd through the 25th, of course, is Determined Camp Meeting there in Dublin, Georgia with Crossway Fellowship, Pastor Scotty Williams Church there. and We're looking forward to being there and gathering there and uh, just going to have another great time in the Lord this year gathering with those who have become determined to know nothing other than Christ and Him crucified and seeing the message of the cross throughout all the Bible. And uh, we just praise God for the opportunity to, to be living in these last few moments of this vapor uh, as time is now before we uh, are taken out by the Lord. But until He comes for us, we have a mission, we have a message, and we have a lifestyle to carry out. In spite of what goes on around us, in spite of what happens, we still have to express Christ. And I'm thankful today that we're learning how to do that even in the midst of, of hard times and trying times of which they will become much, much worse uh, in the days ahead where our minds today, if we knew what was coming, we couldn't handle it. And if you can be shaken loose, you will be shaken loose. So you need to be learning how to deny yourself, take up your cross right now every day and follow Jesus in spite of what's going on. Because hard times like we've never seen are coming. I'm not a prophet of doom, but I do have a Bible. And the Bible is a scary thing when it's, when it's talking about what's going to be happening in the last days. And uh, it's the, the best thing for the people of God is to learn the Word of God and to be led by the Spirit of God, not to get involved in all these things. It's okay to be involved in things as long as it's not stirring your flesh up and that overrides you being led by the Spirit, then you're out of the will of God and then there will be a price to pay. Uh, and most of the time it's, it ends up in embarrassment and brokenness and, and always ends up in bondages, always. So uh, while there is a time of peace, what peace we have left in this nation, you better get in the Word. And if you really don't feel like getting in the Word, you better cry out to God and ask God to help you have fresh new desires daily to get in the Word because there is no answer from heaven. There is no God's not going to send any other answer than that which He's already sent. Many people going around talking about prayer is the answer and prayer is important. But if my people are called by my name, that scripture in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, you need to read the chapter before that and the previous verses before that 14th verse and after to see the context of that scripture. And it was 
the focus on the sacrifice. And that's what caused the fire from heaven to come and light up the sacrifice. That's what uh, 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 brought the people of God into the proper place with the Lord. Nothing else. Not prayer, not fasting, nothing else. Those are wonderful things. But the answer for everything is Jesus and what he did at Calvary. And we need to be learning that. Amen? Amen. So uh, praise the Lord. This is Friday. Today is the 11th of September uh, in 2020. And we're here in 2 Timothy chapter 1. We'll begin in verse 15. I believe it's been what? How many years has it been since uh, we were attacked by the terrorists? Oh, one. So 19 years. Is that right? Yeah, it was oh, one. No, it was oh, one. It was oh, one. So it's been, but this is the day, 9-11, and we're just thankful that we uh, are still a great nation of freedom, even though that is under attack. But we know that we have uh, to be praying and to keep our faith in the cross of Christ and to do our civic duties when it comes time to vote and to make sure that we have gone the right direction our own selves and done what we could do. And the Lord, believe me, He will do the rest. And I need to say something about all that this morning. If you read the Bible and you study the Word, uh, you'll find out that Whatever happened to Israel, even, and, and I believe it's Jeremiah 24, 5 that says, even when God sent his people into captivity, he did it for their good. There were other reasons involved. They've been disobedient, of course, and all that. But the Bible says in Jeremiah 24, 5, he did it for their good. Anything God does for his people is for their good. So no matter what comes in the future, no matter what seems just unbelievable in the future, you and I need to cling to the nail-scarred hand of Jesus because whatever comes, it's going to be what God thinks is best for our good. And we just need to trust Him and follow Him as the sheep of His pasture. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, Paul tells Timothy uh, an amazing thing that most... Uh, most Christianity has never really even noticed or took heart of what's written here that all the church in Asia had turned away from Paul. They had become ashamed of Paul. Uh, they'd become ashamed of him being in prison. Really and truly, they'd become ashamed of Paul's boldness to not give a little, at least to stay out of prison, Paul. Just... Just quit being so determined to preach nothing but the gospel. Won't you, won't you please at least look a little bit back to the law, a little bit to these programs. Well, could, you, could you just give a little bit? Uh, I mean, they're about to send you to prison. Could you, could you slow down? Could you back off? Could you uh, milk down? Could you just, whatever it takes, don't embarrass us. You see... You need to find a preacher who won't back down. You need to find a minister who's determined to know nothing but Christ and Him crucified, to preach nothing but that which demonstrates the power and the Spirit of God at work 
And that is, according to the Word of God, the preaching of the cross, according to our Bibles, not according to what some other man says. That's the wisdom of men. But Paul here writes from a prison dungeon, his last letter uh, that we're aware of that he would write to Timothy and tells him, This you know, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Now, I believe the reason Paul mentioned these two men is because they didn't just turn away from him because he was in prison and out of the way and out of sight, out of mind. I believe they were being led into something other or Paul wouldn't have mentioned these two what I call ringleaders. There's always somebody there to try to lead you away from the singleness of vision, the soberness of mind that only looks to Calvary. There's always a mama, daddy, husband, wife, kid, parent, co-worker, friend, preacher. Somebody's always going to be there to try to lead you away from that path of righteousness. I don't care who you are when you begin to surrender to surrender more and more to the Lord by looking to Him and what He did at Calvary. You better know the enemy is going to send some people to you and who He's going to send typically are the Christians who he has deceived already. And so, because the devil, the devil hates one thing above all things, and that is a Christian expressing Christ, because when Christ is expressed, his defeat is made real to him. His loss of the power of death is made real to him. His defeat is made real to him when there's an expression in the believer of Christ, the one who is victorious, the one who did all that to him, and all that is expressed to him through our expression of Christ today. And that only happens by grace through faith. And so again, I believe that... They had believed, and we're talking about all those in Asia. And even God wasn't through with them even when they turned away because you know he had John write a letter to all seven churches in Asia. God was still reaching. God's still reaching for you today. You know, you keep hearing these preachers of the cross. You keep hearing all the stuff on social media about the cross, the cross, the cross. And you're, you're either beginning to break and go that way or you're pushing against it and going the other way, which is not any other way God will bless. He, will, he, he only gives grace to those who come to Calvary. Those who reject it, do not have the, they've eliminated themselves of grace. God does not just give grace anyway. Let's talk about that for a moment. When the Bible talks about God gives grace to the humble, God gives grace, that means He's giving uh, the empowerment, the strength, the sustaining power of the Spirit of grace, who is the Holy Spirit, in our lives. When our faith is in that which God did to give Himself to us. When our faith is not in what God did in Christ to give Himself to us, then we cannot have the grace that He wants to give us. Grace, everything, takes place when we come to the cross with our faith. 
You never need to forget that. You don't get grace. The church today thinks grace is mystical and magical and God just imparts it. And, and no, Grace is God giving himself on your behalf to sustain you. Him making his strength perfect in your weakness. Him functioning as the teacher in your gifting or the preacher or the prophet or the whatever. You're, it's him doing what's needs to be done. Remember, we can't do anything without Him. And that means we can't do anything without faith in that through which He flows into our lives and through our lives. It's called grace, but grace is what He's doing. Amen. Don't ever forget that. The church has no ideal about that. They really think grace is something God just imparts to you and now you have something. No, it's Him that's allowed to work in your life. Remember what he told Paul when Paul was crying about the thorn in his flesh and the Lord told him after the third time, my grace is sufficient for you because my strength is made perfect. That means what I'm able to do in you is made perfect. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. So, all they which had believed the great message of the cross in Asia had now turned away from Paul and possibly... Now, the Bible doesn't say that they lost their souls. So, we can't just start adding our own thoughts and opinions there. But it, 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 more than likely because these two men's names are given and, and we know that everybody then and today are under attack to believe in something other than the cross, whether it's the new programs that come about every single year and preachers accept the books and the study guides and begin to teach it from their pulpit, <clears throat> other than using God's Word to keep pointing to the cross of Christ, then we just keep jumping on every bandwagon and, and, and uh, a wind of doctrine that blows through town. But uh, at least... They turned away from the sanctifying truth. Let me tell you something, folks. When you get a hold of the message of the cross and how it relates to your everyday life, your everyday living, you're only going to want more and you're only going to want to be planted in a church where it's being preached. And the more you grow and mature, the more you're going to come out of whatever you were in. You know, it's, I, I've been studying and teaching Romans chapter 14 and the guy who the Bible says was weak in the faith because he was only eating vegetables. He was only eating herbs. Now, he wasn't weak in the faith because he was only eating vegetables. He was weak in the faith because he was only eating vegetables and he thought it was gaining him some righteous status, some righteous fruit. Then you go on down in that 14th chapter of Romans verse 17, it says kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not what you eat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So we learn a lot from that story. One of the things we learn is as long as you're still trusting in what you're doing or not doing instead of what Christ did at Calvary, you're going to be stunted in your growth and not able to mature in the faith and become stronger in the faith because it's not the faith that's weak. It's us that are weak. 
the, to, to the degree that we trust and look to and depend upon what Christ did for us at Calvary, to that degree we will continue to be moved out of a weak state off of the milk and on to a more mature state and on to the meat. The more we trust in the work of Christ at Calvary, the more we grow and experience and learn to fight and become the good soldiers that we're called to be the more we look at Calvary and trust in Calvary. So uh, don't, don't think for a second that you don't need to be hearing the word constantly in the context of Calvary because you will look away, I will look away in a moment, and 10 years later we'll look up and say, how did we get here? It is that serious. It is that serious of a battle. Yes, the battle is the Lord's, but you're in it. And you know, you better learn what it means to give the battle to the Lord, which means exclusively to look unto Jesus and what he did at Calvary. And so I hear in my notes, let me read it here, probably the two ringleaders in that region, which were Philegius, however you say his name, and Hermogenes, probably were leading the people away from the sanctifying truth of the cross. Why do I say that? Because the whole context of the Galatians' letter to them was about them being caught off guard and going back and living as though they were under law, which really is playing the spiritual adulterer to Jesus, the one that we're now married to. Most of the churches never heard that. Romans 7, 4 says that we're married to Jesus. How are we married to Him? First of all, it says that we've become dead to the law, that we might be married to Jesus the one who's raised from the dead so that we might bear forth fruit. And if we go back as though we're living under law, oh, i got to get that book, The Purpose Driven, and start doing those things. The government of 12, God will really move and deliver us and pour His Spirit out upon this what we're now doing. And, oh, I've got to stop eating all that. I've got to stop eating all that. I, I just don't feel right before God by, by eating meat or by eating cats or by all these things that are not... the the kingdom of God, we get caught up in all that. I said we get caught up in all that if we don't continually look to the cross. And uh, But we, just, we, we, we can't be carried away by all the things that are offered to us today. And how awful would that be to realize one day that I had led a revolt against God himself and, and back to the spiritual adultery thing. The moment I was born again, I was married to Jesus and there should be fruit of that marriage. When I go back and start trusting in anything I do, eat, don't eat, drink, don't drink, day I celebrate, day I set apart. Now we're not to condemn folk. Bible teaches that in Romans 14. We're not to condemn folk. We're to give folks room to grow and love them through their maturing state. Doesn't mean we don't rebuke in love. Doesn't mean we don't share the truth in love. Uh, but it means we don't condemn them. We don't try to destroy them for being young, for being immature and all this stuff. But as long as we're trusting in anything other than the work of Christ at Calvary, then we're having an affair on our husband. We're going back and dabbling with that which we were married to before we were married to Jesus. He's not happy about that. 
He loves us. He's not happy about that. You know, you take a man and a wife. If, if the man or the woman starts going back and dabbling uh, with some other old girlfriend or somebody they used to be married to or whatever, that's not going to work out very good. Let me tell you something. When we as Christians go back and start dabbling with that thing we used to be married to before we became dead to it to be able to be married to Jesus, there's going to be bad, bad fruit that's happening. We better learn to discern the, bo- the Lord's body Amen. That means what he did at Calvary and what he's doing today in his body on this earth or we're going to find ourselves as the church has for centuries, weak, sick, and dying prematurely and blaming it all on the devil in which the devil has a part to play in it. Come on. Evil hands crucified Jesus the Bible says, evil hands crucified Jesus, but it was God sending him. He laid his own life down. Yes, the devil was there involved in it all, but it was Jesus running the whole show. Jesus laying his life down so he could take it up again. The devil was involved. The religious ruler, they were all involved, but Jesus was in control. Hallelujah. We need to remember that in the days ahead. Are we still clinging to the message of the cross which allows all of God's word to be experiential truth to us? Are we now having to fake it and pretend because when our faith is not in the cross, that's all we can do. Fake it and pretend. And that's pretty much what most of the Pentecostal and charismatic movement is and, and, and we be Pentecostal here, but most of the Pentecostal and charismatic movement is a bunch of faking and pretending. It's a, I, I, I watched last year or the year before a, a, a man who'd been Church of Christ all his life and finally got the Lord brought him out of that and was had him planted and he was hearing the message of the cross and I mean looking out there, the man's 80, 80 years old plus, had his hands raised up during praise and worship. I mean, and then in a meeting around here somewhere, I won't name where, <coughs> we all went to four or five hundred people there and this older gentleman who's come out of all that mess and hearing the message of the cross for two or three years or, or more and uh, goes down to the altar in the front of the church. He wants to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He gets down there and then people just come up man, start grabbing him by the head and shaking him all over. It just broke my heart. It just broke my heart because they think, you know, and that's what I'm talking about, faking and pretending, trying to get in there and do something that only God can do. Like we, we're going to play a part in it. My, our part in anything is prayer and encouragement and pointing people to the gospel, hallelujah, and living it before them that they might see it. But you're not going to shake somebody. I've seen people slapping them on the forehead trying to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. I, I've seen all that stuff and you've come too late to try to hit, tell me that helps because it don't it don't it's just flesh in operation I don't care what you say and from what your daddy and your granddaddy and your great granddaddy what you saw them doing if you trying to help God do something you eliminating God from doing something you're hindering God from doing something we need to remember that and I'm talking about faking and pretending and that's what we have to do that's what we succumb to when our faith is not in the cross because if it's not it's not the Holy Spirit and if it's not the Holy Spirit, then it's who? It's just us. And we have to tag God on it. And boy, you can do that with your emotions and your feelings, which are good things. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, that's what you're going to be calling the Holy Spirit. Somebody said, Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for bringing me out of all that. Glory to God. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Y'all all right this morning? Praise the Lord. Woo! It is, if it's not faith in the cross of Christ, it's not the Holy Spirit guiding us, but rather only our flesh. This also proves the narrowness of the path that leads to life and just how quick man will go after something other. Think about that. It has always been this narrow. You've heard me tell it a few years ago. I told the Lord one day in prayer, Lord, this, this, this narrow way is getting more and more narrow. And immediately he said to me, No, Curtis, it's not. It's always been this narrow. You're just now seeing how narrow that it really is. And it is narrow. Jesus said it's so narrow there will be few that even find it. And there's even going to be few that find it and don't forsake it. The Bible says it. The Bible says it. Many will, I've watched many come onto this narrow path out of the ditch of legalism and bondage just to come up and go across the narrow path for a little bit and then right down in some other ditch over there start trusting in something else. Well, they, they told me I couldn't wear jewelry, makeup, I couldn't wear this, I couldn't wear that, and I had to wear this and I had to wear that all in the name of righteousness and holiness. And thank God I've been delivered from, from that. But now I'm down here in the other ditch saying I'm so free and got some much liberty. I don't even have to go to church. I, I don't have to read my Bible. I don't have to do it. No, not to be saved you don't, but to live saved you do. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hey, you've got to obey the word to live saved. That right there is going to, that right there is going to check that last box for a lot of Christians in these days. I didn't get in this for that. I didn't get in this to be Seen living for Christ. I got in this to be a part of a church where my family could. I'm telling you, all that's coming to an end. That train of thought. Anybody, let me tell you something. Folks finna be dropping like flies. Now they still gonna be saying all the right stuff, it seems like out there, but they ain't gonna be being seen as obedient. And Jesus said, Your words, man, your words. You draw near me with your words. Your, you honor me with your words, but your hearts are far, far away. In the days ahead, there's going to be much of what we're reading about right here. People today already are ashamed and, and intimidated by and embarrassed by preachers that have began to preach what Paul preached to the point of they're just too criticized. A woman a few years ago had a business here in town and she began to listen to the message of the cross and uh, through this ministry and the uh, Lord began to convict her heart and it's somebody that was in ministry just for years and years and years and good singing and musical playing talents that the Lord give her. But her final comment that I heard was, I, I, just, I just can't, I have a business here in town. I can't, get, I can't go to that church because of, you know, that, that, what they preach, man. It's just, too, it's just too whatever she said. But she said, I can't go to that church because I have a business. Well, today she no longer has a business. She no longer has that wonderful husband she was married to. And, and all kind of hell has broken out in that life. All kind, because she chose her job and her status of what people think about her other than this message and that people who are running this race holding fast to these 
this form of sound words in these last days. Many already out there, all in the bushes, talking about these preachers that just preach. No matter what the subject is, they bring the cross into it. And I don't mean saying the cross at the end of the sermon or saying Jesus Christ and Him crucified at the end of a sermon. They use the Word of God because this is what the Holy Spirit is doing. He uses the Word of God to reveal the living Word of God, the one who said the Scriptures are about Him and they use the Scriptures under the unction of the Holy Spirit to point to Calvary, the only place our faith can be so that that living one, Jesus Christ, by His Spirit can give us the experience of the Word of God being the lamp to our feet and the light to our path. Amen. This is what the church has never known. And if you're hearing me, you need to come back to this place. You need to let go, deny self of everything that would cause you to be embarrassed about a determination to know nothing but this message. A, a determin- you, you, you need to let all that go because when God opens the door and begins to convict us about the truth of the cross and we make up excuses if we don't repent, and I know you, you could be listening to this today and say, yeah, I heard what you said about that woman, but that's just not going to happen to me, and she'd have told you it would have never happened to her. God opens the door for you to come the way of the cross, and you don't. It's not God getting you now because you don't. It's you reaping corruption and destruction of the flesh. That's what it is, and you're going to see more and more of that. Listen, God's raised up little churches all over this country. All over this country, little storefront churches. Little little churches where they don't appear like much, but inside is that message God says is the power of God. The proclamation of the cross. The demonstration of the Spirit in power. They're no longer trying to get up and put on a shaky show. They're no longer trying to make you think I've got an anointing. They preach the anointing. Hallelujah. And that is the truth. The Bible says the anointing is the truth and His name is Jesus. Jesus, hallelujah. Boy, y'all about to pull it out of me this morning in here. 2 Timothy 1.16, Paul goes from talking about folk who've turned away from him. Don't forget, everybody in Asia, they've turned away. I believe not only from Paul, but I believe more than likely it was that which he preached, which was justification and sanctification by faith in the cross alone. Alone. He says here in chapter 1 of 2 Timothy verse 16, The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, however you say that. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. This man was not ashamed of my chain. Look at verse 17. We'll read it. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, you know Timothy very well. Where are we at today? Where are we located in the body of Christ when it comes to 
these ministers that are preaching what Paul preached it, with the capacity he preached it, the narrowness of, of mind, the singleness of vision, the, the determination to, to not point to anything and to rebuke for all the false things that are out there. He would even have to uh, tell the church in Galatia, where's the blessed state that we once shared in his letter to the Galatians? Where's the blessed state we once Hail together when I was there among you, 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 you in my in my in my fleshly issue, whatever that was. Paul said you would have plucked out your own eye and gave it to me. You treated me as though I was an angel from heaven or even Christ Himself. But now, have I become an enemy because I tell you the truth? See, this truth is exciting when you first hear it. But to, 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 tomorrow to wake up and to deny myself so I can carry this cross again is a whole different story because tomorrow brings many attacks against that which you are attempting to do, which is follow Christ. And Paul would not give a little to keep from going to prison. Paul would not give a little to uh, have what other people had. And Paul would not slow it down a little bit. And that was embarrassing. It's embarrassing today. Like the woman I gave example. I can't go to that. If, if he would back up just a little bit, if he would slow down, not be so uh, uh, rebuking against things that are uh, wrong. And, and you know, that's all, you know, when they listen to our ministries, just like we all did when we first started listening, to the ministry in Baton Rouge, we all when we first heard it, we're like, man, who, who, who made them sheriff? Who made them right? Why are they rebuking everybody? And they weren't rebuking everybody. They were rebuking false doctrine. And that's, that's one of the breakthroughs that the Christian has to get through. And they will get through it if they're determined to trust in this truth the Lord's showing them about the cross, how it relates to our daily living. But if they won't... Listen, if they won't break through that place where God's showing them, honey, it ain't, it ain't preachers rebuking people. It's, it's pre these preachers rebuking that which is false and killing the body of Christ. And, and, and just because you get mad and don't like it, that, that is a good sign. You're probably, you've been bound by some of this false stuff. It's hindered your growth. It's, it, you've just been playing church. You've just been social, but you hadn't been growing. You, Paul told the folks he wrote to in Hebrews chapter 5, by now, you ought to be a teachers. Every one of you ought to be teachers, but now you, you're still wanting to hear about the principal things of old, and it's time you're still on the milk. You ought to be on the meat now. Now, I'm telling you, that'll make folk leave church right there. You know, just think about, I thought about it yesterday when I was teaching in Romans 14. Paul writes this letter to the church in Rome. And in this 14th chapter, he says, I know and am persuaded of the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean of itself. Now, he's talking about what you eat and don't eat in that section right there. Now, let me say that again. It's in Romans chapter 14. And Paul says, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus, Jesus told him, nothing is unclean of itself. Well, just imagine being a part of the church in Rome and the preacher gets up and he reads this letter and you're sitting there and you only eating carrots and cauliflower. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. 
Lord bless your heart, save a cow, eat veggies, whatever you want to do. I'm going for the meat. <laughs> That's irrelevant. But just imagine sitting in the congregation there in Rome. Your preacher gets up and reads this. You've really been drawn to the message Paul preached. You were saved by it, filled with the Holy Spirit, and you were growing and maturing. And, 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 but, but you got to this point where you something happened and you just thought only eating veggies was righteous before God. And your preacher's reading this, and Paul says in his letter here, he knows. And he's been persuaded by Jesus that nothing is unclean of itself. And you're sitting there. Well, one of two things can happen. You can say, praise God, hallelujah, pass that meat, glory to God. I'm hallelujah, I see, I see more now. What Jesus did for me freed me from every, everything, uh, freed me from putting my faith in what I eat and don't eat and what day this and all this. I am free in Jesus, hallelujah. All things are okay for me to eat. They've all, if it's sanctified by what? The word and prayer, giving thanks for it. It's of the Lord. Or you could have heard your preacher read that message from Paul and said, on that, I know what God's moving in my life ever since I started eating these carrots and cauliflower. God's pleased with that. You can't tell me he ain't. <laughs> That's happening today in the church. When the cross is preached, using all the scriptures in the Bible, and you tell them that God is not going to deliver you from your faith in any of these things, and some of them will say, you can't tell me that. God changed my life. I've become more fruitful than ever before when I started doing this and, and doing those things taught me in that book. Right? Oh, you can't tell me. That's called deception and pride. See, pride blinds. Pride, well, it ultimately comes all the way back to the sin nature. Because when I'm not trusting in Christ and what He did at Calvary, the sin nature has revived and I've died. I've been moved away from the spirit of grace, Galatians 1.6, fallen from grace, Galatians 5.1-4, and now I'm walking after the flesh. And no, I might not be a drunk. I might not be partaking of alcohol or gambling or, 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 or doing the drug. All those things that made me outwardly look like a fool, but now I'm being controlled by the sin nature, pride, and the sin nature is lying to me what it says in Romans 7, when the sin nature comes alive, it lies to me, it deceives me and slays me. Even though it's not the things I used to be trapped in, now it's just religious pride. And that's the most dangerous and powerful bondage on the planet. It's when I think that I'm being delivered or saved, whatever, by what I'm doing. Romans 14 helps us with that a little bit. The man, he's weak in the faith. Faith is never weak because it works by love. Galatians 5, 6, and love can't fail. 
So if proper biblical faith is taking place, the spirit of grace is functioning in my life. And I might be today weak in the faith, but there's coming a tomorrow and the next day where I'm going to be growing. God may find me just eating vegetables today and thinking I'm getting somewhere, some righteous fruit, but he's going to bring the truth that will deliver me from that. It'll be up to me just like if I'd have been sitting in the church in Rome, my preacher read that letter from Paul, I had a choice to make. I can keep going thinking that I'm getting somewhere when I had, had the letter read to me that the kingdom of God is not what you're eating or drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That means righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost don't take place by what you eat or don't eat, drink or don't drink. It takes place through faith in the cross of Christ. I might be weak in the faith today, but if I keep looking to Calvary, I'll be less and less weak, which means I'll be becoming stronger and stronger in the faith that always works. Praise God. So this man, Onesiphorus, how do you say that name? Does anybody, I got any theologians in here this morning want to try that out? Onesiphorus, it's good enough for a northeast Texan. (laughs) He was not ashamed of Paul's imprisonment. Paul said he even searched him out. You, 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 you look into this more and you'll find this man went many miles and threw a whole lot to be able to find Paul. Others turned their back on him. And that's the way it is today. There are people that drive cross counties to be in a cross-preaching, cross-centered church. People live next door. But they'll drive, they'll drive across state, out of state, to be in some church that's focused. A preacher telling you, you just need to try harder. You need to try harder. You, you know, you need to, you need to read the word, and you need to try harder. And I might not say it in those words, but that's what he's preaching if he's not pointing to the cross. Because if it's not the cross, it's us trying harder instead of submitting to the Spirit of God. Looks like the reason everyone in Asia turned away from Paul is because they thought he should have lightened up a little, at least enough to avoid prison. I've said that. When he wouldn't become less determined, but more determined, they said, enough. We, we ain't going to jail with you. See, the people who preach this message the way it should be preached, that meaning, I'm not talking about the way we present it, I'm talking about in all the Bible. The cross isn't just one message. It is the message in all messages, or it is messages without power. What's the Lord told me all these years? There can be 10,000 sermons, but the message in every sermon must be the cross or it is without power. And those who disagree with that are those who, they're weak in the faith. They're weak in the faith because it proves when they say that, that they disagree with that, that they're not totally looking unto Christ and what He did at Calvary. And you know it because they're out there Talking in the bushes. They're trying to, and what they're trying to do is what Philegius, whatever his name is, religious Philegius, <laughs> and Hermogenes, 
they out there in the bushes. Well, Paul's in prison. You know, whatever they said, we don't know, but you can only imagine. Y'all just, because the, the attempt, the only thing that would keep you from seeking out Paul and wanting to uh, 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 be a part of what Paul was preaching was law. Only thing make you turn you back on uh, Paul was law. You know, because Paul says this Onesiphorus was not ashamed of his chain. Ashamed. See that word? Ashamed. This man was not ashamed. That means they were. That's why he brought it in here. They, all those in Asia, were ashamed of where the Lord, hear me this morning, where the Lord led Paul. It was the Lord who's behind Paul being in prison. He'd kept him out of prison before. He'd escaped through a basket, let down. You, you know the stories. He'd, he, he'd been beaten, whipped. He made it through all that. God, the Lord was leading him. All of Paul's life was a part of God's will. Suffering was a part of Paul's life. It's a part of every Christian's life who's living the Christian life. That means denying their self of whatever would hinder them taking up that cross and following Christ. Paul wouldn't take any direction that would distract him from being focused on trusting in and preaching the gospel. Now Paul prays for Onesiphorus that God would give him mercy. This man often refreshed Paul because he believed and still believed the powerful message of the cross which Paul had preached. He wanted to hear more of it. The message is the only message that allows men to continue to obey the truth. That's written in Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Most had become ashamed of the apostle Paul simply because of his imprisonment, but really the flesh and self is always looking for an excuse to walk away from the way of the cross and those who are preaching it. The flesh is always... Look, self is always looking for an excuse to leave the focus of Calvary and to leave the ministries that are all about Calvary. You give the flesh a half of a half of a chance and it will look away and go away. But it doesn't have to be in control. We can deny ourselves if we're willing to go the way of the cross because the only power, I preached it Wednesday night, the only power we're going to have to deny self is grace. And all that happens in a moment of transition when God sees the heart that will believe under the cross, He in that twinkling of an eye moment makes the exchange. His grace, Him, the Spirit of grace, he is the one who's denying ourself that we might take up the cross. Oh, it's called us denying ourselves. It's called our faith. It's called our works, but it's all Him. It's His works. It's His faith. It's His kingdom. It's His everything. Glory to God. It's Him denying that self through our faith in the cross. He says here in verse 17, but when he was in Rome, talking about Onesiphorus, and that might be how you say it, Onesiphorus. He sought me out very diligently and found me. Are you seeking that one who's preaching nothing but the cross? Or have you settled? Because God, let me tell you something, it's a bold and a blatant statement. 
But God is strategically right now uprooting, plucking up, and moving people about. If it takes hurricanes, if it takes tornadoes, if it takes horrible things that happen among the government, it, God is strategically uprooting and plucking up and strategically bringing a people to a place of trusting Him and striving together for the faith of the gospel. The big move of God that's coming is not just coming, it is already here. The big move of God is already here and people aren't recognizing it because they've had it pictured in their minds. We've got these portraits painted in our minds of what we think the move of God is going to be. You need to understand the move of God is when we find what it means to be in the faith and we're holding fast to that, that That's the move of God. Hallelujah. We've got these big grandeur pictures in our minds painted. It never happens that way. Israel was looking for a Savior. The way they had it painted, it did not take place. The way the Scriptures had it painted... It took place. Hallelujah. You need to look in the Word to see what's going to happen in these last days. I promise you, your your flesh is not going to be happy about it. But your spirit is going to be quickened and come alive because the big move of God has already begun. It is a humble, broken, lowly state of people who are following Jesus with their cross through the, through the denial of self, the denial of what I thought might be, the denial of myself to just keep saying, oh, God's getting ready to. God's getting ready to. God's getting ready. Yeah, God's always going to do something, but what's He doing now? Because now faith is, and where God finds faith now, God gives grace. God becomes the spirit of grace and manifestation in our lives. Hallelujah. Amen. He didn't just happen up on Paul, but was looking for this particular preacher preaching this particular message, this message of power. 2 Timothy 1.18, The Lord grant unto him. Lord, the the apostle here is, is, is praying for Onesiphorus, the Lord grant unto him that he might find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, you know very well. There will be great rewards for those who did the proper thing with the gospel and the minister of the gospel. Not just a preacher, but the preacher of the gospel. You think the evil in the world in this nation's being revealed? It started in the house of God. Now a lot of Christians are ignoring it, fighting against it, but it started some 23 years ago with the message of the cross because the judgment of God must begin in the house of God and the judgment of God is what Christ did at Calvary and our acceptance of that or our denial of that, not just for initial salvation, but for everyday grace to function in every capacity. Mm. Judgment began in the house of God. Hallelujah. You need to be awakened up to that reality. And there are going to be rewards to those people, the Christians at the judgment seat of Christ that treated the gospel like it should have been treated. That treated the ministers, the preachers of the gospel the way they should have been accepted and treated. 
There's also going to be many rewards lost for choosing this preacher and getting rid of him and choosing that preacher. All these Christians that we have had a problem being our own self through the years. Well, we don't like him no more. He's starting to find out our personal business and get, dive into our bit. Well, we'll fire him and get hire us another one. It's going to be going to be much lost for all that because that's not of God. That's not of God. Today we see the exact same thing. Most will turn away from the message Paul preached, saying it's got to be more than that. But there will be saints also like. Onesiphorus, who will hunt down a ministry preaching that justifying and sanctifying message of the cross of Jesus Christ. They will be a blessing to those there and the minister. Mm. God is the one who sets a man in a place as an under-shepherd to pour out his spirit in and through to preach his good news to and through. I'm going to give you some scriptures this morning. You're going to love it. Those of you who hadn't turned me off already. God's the one who sets His shepherds, His pastors in place, and the manifestation will be that which is given to us in the Word of God. We can see in the Bible what the fruit of those God has set in place. And when we don't see this fruit, God has not set them there. And I'm not saying they're not called, and, but I am saying this. They hadn't been sent by God if the fruit is not what we're about to see in the Word of God. First of all, Numbers chapter 27 needs to be highlighted and remembered. The denominational world's thrown this out. or they, They've not thrown it out. They've twisted it, it for it to mean something other than what Simply it says, Numbers chapter 27, verse 16 and 17. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation. Who's going to do it? The Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh. Let Him set a man over the congregation. <clears throat> which may go out before them and which may go in before them and which may lead them out, which may bring them in that the congregation of the Lord be not as sheep which have no shepherd. Now, a little more in detail of that would for you to look at would be Ephesians 4 as God gives the church these gifts, these fivefold ministries, one of them being pastor slash teacher. But the church today would take this scripture and say, yes, God will set a man over a congregation, but he's got to use people to get that man set over a congregation. That's not the way it works. We don't vote. We don't hire. We simply see. We notice. We, we see and we hear the gospel, not all the other things. The gospel, for it is the power of God. It is the only avenue through which grace comes. The gospel. We hear it. Oh, this might be one God has set in place. I'm, I'm so thankful that this particular ministry that I am found as the pastor of 
did not take place because a group of people came and found me and encouraged me to become a pastor. God set me in this region to preach the gospel. And people begin to notice. The people who are broken and lowly looking for the truth of God's Word, they want a real relationship with God. They're tired of just social gatherings. They want what's real. And these people begin to come and meet together. And today we have a church. I, I wasn't hired. But I was set in a place and God began to add, to, not to me, He began to call people through the gospel that He has given me to preach, people to Himself. Now, I want to show you this other one. This is, we'll have to end. We're almost out of time anyway. Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 3 and 4. Again, that's Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 3 and 4. Now, I understand this is talking really about one day what's going to happen to Israel, but make no mistake about it, it, it's already today what's happening in the church because we see that in Ephesians chapter 4 and what the Lord... uh, has given us there. And Jeremiah 23 and 3, the Bible says, And I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all countries, whether I have driven them, and will bring them again to their foals, and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them, and they shall fear No more. Notice, here comes the manifestation, the fruit of where God sets His ministers. Now these three things we're about to read that take place can only take place at the preaching of the gospel. Not the pointing to a purpose driven, the government of twelve. All the fads in the church cannot remove fear, cannot remove dismay, And it cannot remove that which is lacking in the life of a believer. Only the gospel, only the message of the cross, only that message will remove fear. He says, they shall fear no more. Perfect love is what casts out all fear. That takes place in our lives. When we're trusting in that perfect love of God in Christ and what He did for us at the cross. We won't be dismayed. We won't be confused. We, we won't be uh, uh, without uh, knowledge. We won't be ignorant anymore. We won't be dismayed and running in circles. We'll now been brought to a narrow path and walking the narrow path led by the Spirit of God in all truth. That stability. That place of quietness and assurance and, and peace. Trusting in the Master. Dismay's gone. That was that was out the window. Remember, these are the manifestations of those God sets as shepherds among his people. And they and neither shall they be lacking, says the Lord. There will be no lack. That means they won't be spiritually thirsty, spiritually hungry anymore like Jesus told the woman at the well. You you drink of this water, you'll never thirst again. When you come back to the message of the cross and make that your focus, you'll find the stability, you'll find the peace, 
You'll find the strength. You'll find everything you're looking for. But he says here, I will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them. You have to come to the table to eat. And when you're eating the proper nutrition that God supplies, you will find fear gone. Luke 1, 74 and 75 says, Because the Lord has defeated the enemy, our enemies, we can now serve Him without fear all the days of our lives in righteousness and holiness. Think about that. No longer have to be dismayed hoping I'm right, hoping this works. Well, I, I just, I just, you know, I hope this. No, 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 that's confusion. We know the Lord and His way of the cross works. Nothing else will. Neither shall they be lacking. And you know, there's a lot of scripture that could be brought in here that when we let patience have her perfect work, that we will be perfect and entire lacking nothing. See, Paul thought he was lacking with that thorn in his flesh, but God showed up and said, no, my grace is more than enough. In my grace, you'll not find lack. In my grace, you'll not find fear. In my grace, my grace being supplied to you through your simple childlike faith in the place I gave myself for you. For you to be able to have grace every day, fear, dismay, and lack will no longer guide your life, but I will, says the Lord. Praise God. It's been a great broadcast today. Uh, looks like next Friday we will dig into chapter 2. I am going to be here next Friday, right? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I'll leave sometime after the broadcast to go to Wichita Falls. If that's next weekend, I think it might be. Uh, yeah. So anyway, if you're anywhere near Wichita Falls, next weekend, I think uh, Clint and Lindsey Bass, the pastors of uh, 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 uh Christ Fellowships, I'm trying, all these churches, I, is that the name of it? Christ Fellowship, Christ Community Fellowship in Palestine, Texas. <coughs> I think they're going to be with Colton and Casey also next weekend. And I, I, I think uh, Pastor Tommy Wiedelman from Tuttle, Oklahoma is going to be there. Also going to have a great little get-together there at Pastor Colton and Casey's Crossway Church there in Wichita Falls. And once again, don't forget, I'll be in Pastor Wayne's church, Crossway uh, Ministries, Greenwood, Mississippi, October the 4th, that Sunday morning. And please uh, be at the Determined Count meeting this year at all, if, at, at all possible you can there in Dublin, Georgia. Looking forward to that. And uh, looking forward to being here next Friday morning with you again. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and Him crucified. I'll see you then.